Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Palm Sunday. I'm excited. This is the Sunday where Jesus enters in to Jerusalem as they cry, Hosanna, waving palm branches. This is such a significant day. It's the Sunday before Easter, and it's significant for followers of Jesus all over the world for so many reasons. One reason why this day is so important and so significant is that prophecy is actually fulfilled. Prophecy is fulfilled as you just watched on the screen from the book of Zechariah. Jesus coming through the city on that donkey, on that foal, on that colt. Prophecy is indeed fulfilled. So that's very important. And by entering into Jerusalem in this fashion, Jesus is solidifying. He's sealing his fate to die for the sins of humanity. So it's so important. All four Gospels have an account of this Palm Sunday, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But this morning, I want to look specifically at Luke chapter 19 and Matthew 21. If you have your Bibles, you can just kind of put two fingers, Luke 19 and Matthew 21, and I'll kind of toggle uh, between each uh, uh, portion of Scripture. I I want to give a description of that Sunday and really talk about the significance of it. So I want to set up the scene, give you a little context, so you can get a full understanding of what's taking place here. Leading up to Palm Sunday, the week before, and actually weeks before that, Jesus has been teaching the large crowds, specifically in the desert. He's been healing the sick. In fact, probably his most memorable kind of final healing is he raises Lazarus from the dead. This, that miracle, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago, took place literally right before uh, this significant Sunday. So he's, he's been healing uh, the sick. He's been traveling all throughout the Judean uh, side. And he's this rabbi from Nazareth that everybody's talking about. For the Jews, this was the Passover season. So because of that, Jews from all over the region of Israel are heading up to Jerusalem on that Sunday before Passover, which would begin on that Friday, to do something very specific. And the reason why they were coming into Jerusalem was to select a perfect lamb to be sacrificed. Oh, this is cool. So here's thousands and thousands of Jewish families traveling by foot into the holy city of Jerusalem to select their family's perfect, spotless, expensive lamb that they would be sacrificing on that Friday. Isn't that pretty incredible that the Lamb of God chooses this Sunday to come into the city? It's almost like the the Father saying, here is my Lamb. Will you choose my perfect, spotless lamb who is about to give everything for you. I just, I just love the significance of that. Passover was and is a celebration of freedom 
They were celebrating their freedom from years and years of slavery in Egypt and remembering what God had done for them in that ancient world, but they do it to this day. It'll happen all this week. Passover is so significant. And this is what we call Holy Week as followers of Jesus. Let's go to the text and we'll unpack this Sunday. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 34. This is what the word says. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. Okay, so hold up. Two guys walk up steal a donkey, and as they're walking away, the owner runs out and says, what are you doing? You're stealing my donkey. Who do you think you are? And the response is, don't worry about it. The Lord needs it. It's all good. (laughs) Oh, okay. And I was thinking about that, kind of laughing at myself. It was like, remember remember like Star Wars? Remember like the Jedi mind tricks? Remember Obi-Wan Kenobi? It's like, it's like, you will do what I say. Okay, you know, it's like, don't worry, the, nor- the Lord needs it, you know. I just, I, I think that's so fascinating here. They, they give up this donkey, something that must have, something that was so worthwhile to them, something that had so much value to them. In that ancient world, that donkey would have been worth, in our days, something like an extravagant car, like a Ferrari, like a BMW, a Mercedes. Like, this is the value that this colt, this donkey had. And these dudes are like, here's the keys. You can have it because someone called the Lord said it's cool. It's fascinating to me. So here's a couple of questions I have pertaining to this Sunday and this unique event that takes place. The question is, will you choose to release what you hold to him? That is the question. Will you choose to release what you hold to him? These owners had no idea that by handing over their beamer keys, by handing over this donkey to these complete strangers, that they were a part of the fulfillment of prophecy. It wasn't like these guys showed up and said, hey, uh, <laughs> this dude named Zechariah, a uh, thousand years ago or whatever, you should read this because this is what's going to happen. And he's up there on the mountain. You guys can be the cat. No, no, no. He just said, we're going to need that. No, no, They just took it. The Lord needs it. And something takes place in these owners' hearts that wasn't connected to Obi-Wan Kenobi. It was the Holy Spirit. Something moved inside of them. They let go of what they were so dependent on. 
there was no plausible explanation to give up this donkey, except for they had experienced the Spirit of God. That isn't written down, but took place. And the question is, what needs to be untied in your life? What needs to be released in your life? In fact, just as an illustration here, I've got some rope, just as a visual. What is that thing in your life that you're holding on to like this? Is it your finances? Is it a relationship? You're just so, your whole world, everything, everything that you are, you love God, but this relationship that you have is more important than him and everything else. And you just, you're holding on to it. And the Holy Spirit is whispering to you. He's been whispering to you to release that relationship to him. Why? So that it, it, it can either go or it can get better. But it's going to require you to release that thing. Is it your health? Are you consumed every day? Your, your health is your God. And you focus on that. It's the only thing. Ah, if I lose my health or I got to get health, it's the only thing. And it's, 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 you prioritize that over God and you're holding on to it like this. Release, release today, untie. In the Greek, the original word for release is apollos. Uh, excuse me, apollos. I want to say it right. Apollos, you theologians out there. Apollos, it literally means to release. There's another definition of this apollos word, and that is to forgive. Maybe you're in this room today, and the thing that you're holding on to is unforgiveness. And it's keeping you from going to where God wants you to be with him. And you've been holding on to that offense, holding on to it. The person that offended you is long gone out of your life, but you keep holding on to it because we've misinterpreted really what forgiveness is. We have taken that word forgiveness and turned it into a full-on exercise routine and this, this, this overwhelming thing that we can't do, this verb that is too overwhelming. And so what we do is we say, no, 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 we can't forgive somebody because what happens is, is that that requires me to now carry that offense. We interpret forgiveness like this. I am now taking on the offense and we wrap ourselves up in that offense or whatever that unforgivable thing is. Because this is what forgiveness looks like to us. It's like this thing, and it's like, we feel like now I have to carry it. If I forgive her, or if I forgive him, I now have to take on more, and they're released of everything. But the fact of the matter is, there's one man. There's one man who came on this Palm Sunday who said, no, 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 you, you got forgiveness mixed up. I'm coming to forgive the world. In fact, I'm coming to take the offense the sin, the hurt of the entire world on my shoulders and carry it all once and for all. Apollos means to release. So how do we forgive somebody that's unforgivable? I forgive you. And we let it go. We release it. We lay it down. Now, 
I'm not naive. I've been hurt by people closest to me in my life. I'm not naive to think that this process isn't hard and the walk away part is even harder at times. But I wanna encourage you that this is where it begins. It's, it's this, it's not this. When he climbed up on that cross, and let me tell you right now, no one put him on that cross. He allowed himself to be nailed to that cross. At any second, he could have he sent down a legion of angels to excavate him out of there. But let me tell you right now, he put himself on this Good Friday coming up here. That's what we're going to be remembering. The fact that he put himself up there. He wrapped himself up in the pain and the sin and the unforgiveness of the entire world. He became sin for us. I'm getting already to my Friday talk. I got to get back to my notes here. Release it. Are you willing to release what you hold in your hand like these perfect strangers did with this cult? The, the Jews believed that the Messiah would come during the week leading up to Passover. And so there's a lot of significance to that. It's really important because every Passover week on that Sunday, a false prophet or many false prophets would stand on the Mount of Olives and proclaim themselves as the Messiah. It was normal. It happened all the time. Guys would stand up and say, I'm the son of God. And you know what would happen? There would be chaos in the streets of Jerusalem. And do you know who was in charge at the time? The Romans. And the Romans weren't having it. And so that would upset the Romans. There would be protesting. This false prophet would come into town. And the Romans would get so upset that there would be often killings. The Romans would kill the Jews. And so the Jews were constantly in fear that if another dude shows up, we're going to tick off the Romans and there's going to be bloodshed. So this Passover week was always like everyone was on edge constantly. In fact, because the Jews, to this day they still believe this, they believe that the Messiah is coming during uh, Passover week, in the ancient world, they would actually leave the front doors of the temple open just in case the real Messiah decided to take his throne. So this was a really important time. Jesus shows up on this Sunday as the Messiah. So with that context, let's go back to the scripture. Verse 35 of the 19th chapter of the book of Luke. They brought it to Jesus, donkey. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began. Say began. began. The whole crowd of disciples, by the way, not just 12, there could have been hundreds of disciples, began joyfully to praise God in a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. So there's this impression here that prior to this joyful noise, that before they began to make a bunch of noise, in fact, they were all quiet. They were... You get the impression that this large crowd is descending down the Mount of Olives and they're quiet. 
I mean, I mean let, let's go there right now. Can, can you imagine being one of Jesus' disciples, knowing everything that happens every year, all the false prophets that roll into town, all the bloodshed, and these disciples who are just like you, just like me, who have only spent a handful of times with this guy named Jesus, they're now at the point where they really have to decide, am I really a disciple? Think about this. Here, here they come down this mountain. And I can just, I, 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 hey, uh, uh, Peter, did, is it, is, are you sure this is the guy? Now, are you sure? I mean, if we, if we, these Roman, we're going to take, if he's a false prophet, I mean, this is a, I, I, that's the conversation I might be having. Hey, hey uh, Matt, bro, I don't know. I mean, if you, are you, you, if I yell, you better yell. I'm telling, if, if I, if I scream out, if I, you better, you better scream out. If you don't, I, and, and I'm sure I can just, and then, and then they're coming and all of a sudden scripture says, then they began it's like almost like here we go. One. <laughs> Three, you know? And, and, and scripture said, we just read it, that they began joyfully to praise God. They broke their silence. And in the minute they broke their silence, they sealed their fate as well. They were saying, we believe. We, scripture said it. We've seen the miracles. This is the guy. Can, can you imagine coming down the mountain and seeing Bill from the water cooler in the office? And he's, you know, he's on his daily jog. Like, what are you doing, man? This is the guy. Come on. And he's like, what? I mean, put it in, put it in your own context. How serious this was. They were risking their lives. And why were they doing that? Because they actually encountered the presence of God. They rejoiced in him. That's the second question I have for you. Will you choose to rejoice in him? Not, 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 not just follow him, but be excited about it. To talk about it. To scream it out. When you walk out of this place, do you leave CFAN on Sundays? Those of you that call this place your church, like, man, Brian, that was great music, but I got to get back to my real life now. Just saying. Or do you leave out of here just fired up, man? Let's go. Let's go. I gotta get, I can't even go to sleep tonight. I got Monday morning, I got my meeting, and I'm just fired up, and the Holy Spirit's in me. Some, someone's gonna come in contact with me, I know it, and I'm gonna encourage them because the Holy Spirit's all over me right now. In fact, I'm gonna invite my entire office to Church for All Nations for Sunday. I, I think I'm gonna invite them to both because I'm going to 9 and 11 o'clock. I just feel like, it, I'm telling you, and I'm just fired up right now. And Man, what happened on Palm Sunday? I'm telling you what happened on Palm Sunday. Don't mess with me, I'm not playing today. I'm, up, I'm, I'm, I'm here. That's what's up, right? Where, 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 where do you fall? Where do you fall? Well, you choose to rejoice in him. These disciples, they, they made the decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the world. Matthew 21, verse 9. Matthew records two things that happen here. Number one, they re records 
what the crowd was shouting. Let's go to the scripture. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, here it is, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So some of you grew up in church and, and you used to sing songs, Hosanna. There's like a hundred different versions of Hosanna in the high. In fact, we, we were just singing one. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I mean, there's all kinds of them. So, 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 so maybe, you, you, maybe you would sing that as worship. But in this context here, the word Hosanna had political implications, not religious ones. When these people were shouting Hosanna, essentially what they were shouting was, deliver us! Set us free! These stinking Romans! <laughs> we can't take it anymore! Hosanna, king, take them all out. They were shouting, it was a political, it wasn't a religious one. They wanted physical freedom from physically bondage of all kinds. Hosanna, free us. Here's the second thing that uh, Matthew mentions. And that, that, so they're shouting Hosanna, but they're also, they were waving palm branches. So they're shouting Hosanna, and they're, and, they're, and they're waving palm breath. When I was a kid, I, can, I grew up at Life Center, and my, my grandfather, he was all for it. Maybe we'll do it next Palm Sunday. But we'd have all, the kids on Palm Sunday, would, we would just all take, come into the, auditor, the, the worship center and come running down the aisles, waving palm. Maybe that's happened at CFAN here before, but there'd just be like hundreds of kids running around and just doing all this kind of stuff. It was, so, it was like the one time being a seven-year-old where you could just go nuts in church. With, with, ah, you know, just running down the thing. But I want you to know today that that palm branch wasn't necessarily worship. It was a political statement. In that moment, that palm branch became our stars and stripes. That's what it meant. And so here they were shouting, Hosanna, deliver us, free us, give us freedom. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebu rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, we give the Pharisees a bad time a lot. <laughs> but you can understand while they're saying, while they're, come on, bro, this is not good for us. And Jesus makes this statement that so many of us have heard. If they stay silent, these rocks all around will do it for them. Because I am the son of God and all of earth, all the heavens, worship, worship me. There's two instances in scripture where Jesus cries. He cries right before he raises Lazarus from the dead. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And I love that picture of a God who cries when you cry. If, if you're here today, and you have a broken heart. If inside you're crying, if you, if you walk out of this 
place today and get in your car and something in your life is causing you to cry, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is sitting right next to you in the passenger seat and he weeps with you. He loves you today. He's close to you. That's who we serve. So Jesus sees this crowd, this group of people that are mourning and he's overwhelmed because they're upset and so he says, I wanna be right where you are and he cries That's the kind of God we serve. The second place where we see Jesus crying is in the 41st verse of this chapter. And it is connected to my third point as the band comes back, and that is, will you choose to remain in him? Write that down. Will you choose to remain in him? Will you rejoice in him? But when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when life circumstances don't seem to be making sense, will you bail or will you stay close to the vine? Let's go to the passage here. It says, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace, but now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground, your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. The reason why Jesus weeps the second time is because these poor people, these poor people are seeking peace. They're seeking freedom. They're wanting liberation. And they're doing all of it the wrong way. They see Jesus as this new king coming to liberate their land instead of seeing him as actually God himself, the prince of peace, the king of all kings. They miss it. Jesus senses it, and it affects him to the point of tears. And you historians know, AD 70, the Romans come in and they completely annihilate. They they tear down the temple. Jesus prophesies, and and it takes place. And Israel has been in chaos ever since. They miss him. They don't understand. They think he's coming to to walk through the temple, open doors, and sit with his crown on and his lector to liberate them. And of course that's what he came to do, to liberate them, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual one. And they miss it. They miss who he is. They miss the recognition of who he is and he sees it. He sees into their future and he weeps. I hate to say this because this doesn't, this isn't shiny. This isn't a happy thought. But there's some of you that are headed in a direction. You're going down a road, and you know it. 
that's leading to a place of heartbreak. For some of you, it's devastation. I want you to know because we serve the God who knows all things. Do you know that he looks into the future? For some of you, he weeps today because he knows the path that you're on and he wants better for you today. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're, you are a follower of Jesus, but something for whatever reason is pulling you down this wide road that Jesus says, don't go down. But for whatever reason, you're, you're being pulled in that direction. And the question is today, will you stop and insert yourself back into the true vine? Remember the I Am series we just got through? Will you choose to remain in him? And I know we used this passage of scripture a couple of weeks ago, but I wanna read it one more time and then we're gonna pray. John chapter 15, three and five. You are already clean. Someone, you gotta hear this today. You've walked in here and you feel like I'm, I'm just a mess. You've accepted Christ, but you feel dirty, all of this kind of stuff. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Don't, don't miss that part. It's not that you can do some things. You, you, you can't do anything. You can't do anything. And so today, will you choose to remain in him? Will, will, will you choose to rejoice in him? That's the question today. Let's bow our heads across this auditorium. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.